Doing something about it. Confessions of a bad Taoist. First, an announcement. From today, the cost of a paid subscription to Uncivil Savant will be lowered by $1 a month and the founding member price is halved to $100. Times are hard for many people. Prices for everything are through the roof in the UK, perhaps where you are too. Solidarity with you if you're having a hard time right now, especially while the super-rich swan about on their mega-yachts. No offence intended to swans. They can't help being beautiful, aloof and afloat. It takes too much of my energy dealing with random anonymous comments from people who are not regular readers, nor are fellow artists or writers who post their own work publicly on both my Instagram and Substack, where I give away a substantial amount of art, technique, energy and information for free. Both these online portals are vital aspects of my professional life in visual arts, teaching and writing, and to a currently lesser extent, Tai Chi. A fertile ongoing email exchange with Jack Leahy and recent posts about Dark Flow by Pecho, Abeyance by the Abbey of Misrule, Digital Sabbath by Dougald Hine, have reminded me of the virtues of lessening my engagement and unnecessary time spent on networked technologies. It is always a challenge to remind myself that complete strangers are not necessarily entitled to my time and energy. Dissipation into the machine impacts greatly what I can do for and with those I love, commune with, or are responsible for. So, in return for either your small payment, or no payment except your email and name, you can still get these weekly newsletters, the ability to comment, as well as the free Qigong videos, paid subscriber-only posts, and a planned meet-up online with other readers this winter. Or you can continue with a free subscription, as is, but you'll no longer be able to comment. Thanks to the musician and artist Claire Archibald for her recent superb, funny, harsh but fair Instagram post, which gave me the impetus to do this. I too am not here for the numbers, nor for fame, influence or money, although the money really helps, so thank you paid subscribers. I write because I must. Same as with making things. If I ever stop feeling that inner urge, I'll stop. That happened with music after ten years. So rather than carry on against the flow, I allowed the river to divert to Tai Chi. If you can't afford a subscription but want to be able to comment, then all you have to do is drop me an email via the platform. Just hit reply to the newsletter and your email will come to me. Or you can contact me via my website form. The link is in the essay. Either way, Just ask for a comp and I will give you a year for free, no questions asked. Well, there is just one question. Your name. Your real name. I'll write in more detail below why I'm changing the settings this week to be in line with many of the writers I value reading on here. One day, the internet will fail. First come family and friends, the bushel of people I love most. When my world went up in flames and I came home to roost a mile from my birthplace, I realised instinctively that rebuilding a meaningful life came from committing to love and being loved by this group of people, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, and that other goodness would flow from this. I had tried to please or placate, control or ignore people and things in pretty much every combination and situation an adult life could offer, and I had exhausted both myself and my options. 
in making one simple, radical decision to uncenter myself and to reorient towards being in relation, often with my actual blood relatives, I was set free. Now I prioritise the people with whom I have a good, hearty connection, local shopkeepers and neighbours, siblings, nieces and nephews, fellow artists, makers and writers, people who speak honestly with humour and insight. Oftentimes, via our various networks, I end up meeting in real life people I once only knew online. We send each other useful or beautiful things, opportunities, recommendations. We study with each other in impromptu kitchen labs, send news and parcels from our watersheds. The gift economy is real and still exists. It cannot be touched by commodity capitalism any more than Mark Zuckerberg can put his fingerprint on your pericardium. This is an extension of an ancient, ordinary way of going about things, and is like the good vibe in a music scene, the ancestral skills world, the pigment posse, the rock heads, or the plant people. We form nodes. We are not trending, nor are we cool. We are, for the most part, neither woke nor based. We are probably more like potatoes or nettles, brambles or dandelions. Break one of us off and we just sprout a whole new network under the concrete after the first two good downpours. And then we come up through the cracks between the slabs. For when the web goes down, we already have each other's home addresses, as well as each other's backs. We live life now as though the difficult times are already here. For some of us, they already are, or recently have been. We know how to make stuff, mend stuff, grow, find and adapt things. We're always eyeing up other people's waste. We could be skip diving. When I first came across Dark Mountain in 2014, I read The Art of Survival, Taoism and the Warring States by Charles Hugh Smith from Book Two, and it struck a chord which still resonates. I highly recommend it. You can click the link. Skin in the game. The internet we have is not how I would have chosen it to be. But I wasn't there at the start, so too bad. Same with schools, universities, nightclubs. Same with meditation, news sources, government, food production. Pretty much everything, if I'm honest. But I work with what is, and I try to imagine and help create what could be different. That work includes writing here, attempting to hold a convivial space where I can talk deeply and find like-minded people to enrich creativity and daily life. Perhaps it's just enlightened self-interest. Anyway, to do it effectively, I now have a lot of skin in the game, as Nassim Nicholas Taleb puts it. This substack is not a safe space... Certainly not for me. All women, perhaps all writers of either sex, put themselves at risk of reprisal as soon as they say something that meets with disapproval by some person with a grudge and no creative practice of their own with which to craft an appropriate response. The first time I had an article published in the short-lived magazine The Gig, I received an anonymous threatening letter to my home address from a chap who had taken offence at me describing my band's audience as beery and dressed in black. 
My sensitive correspondent had not noticed the irony, as our band and the venue, the Dublin Castle Pub in Camden, were equally as beery and black-clad. The letter writer wanted me to know how powerful he was, and that he knew where I lived, but was not prepared to have any skin in the game himself. Perhaps the best reply to a point you don't agree with is to start a Substack or Instagram or whatever platform and write a piece of your own, as both Clementine Morrigan and Jay Le Soleil suggest regularly to some of their underread and ill-informed detractors. Nicholas Wilkinson recently responded critically to other writers' ideas in a thoughtful and passionate piece. My point is not that I agree or disagree with the particularities of these writers' various theses. It is that they are creatively marking out spaces for fertile thought, dissent and adult conversations that are not slanging matches or snark fests. I am also thinking of the chutzpah of those superb answer songs when someone replies to a record with their own, for instance, Liz Fair's Exile in Guyville, answering Exile on Main Street, and Woman by Nana Cherry, which answers It's a man's, man's, man's world. Hecklers should get an honourable mention. For years on stage as a frontwoman and bassist in various indie bands, I would occasionally get a heckle or some attempted sexist banter. Once I'd got used to the fact that this was a thing, I was ready with witty replies, good-natured repartee, or once in a while, the perfect put-down. But I sort of admired the guys, it was always guys, who heckled me. People turned to look at them. They were not anonymous. They too had skin in the game. It honed my stage presence and made me stand up for myself when I would have liked to just play music and sing songs. I have talked for many years with my old friend, the comedian Stuart Lee, about the toll hecklers or haters take on him. Hecklers actually feed his craft, he says. The online haters get their quotes listed on his promotional merchandise, which makes him money. Stuart, the man, not his onstage persona, is a sensitive, immensely thoughtful and kind person, and I am not convinced it doesn't take its toll on him in other ways. We don't agree on everything, but through trust and time, and to be fair, quite a large amount of alcohol over a 25-year friendship, we know we don't have to. We discuss amicably and in confidence things that elsewhere seem full of ire. Brexit, religion, gender, marriage, adoption, death. And we respect each other's always evolving views. The greatest stage response I ever witnessed was his, to a frosty Aberdeen audience heckling and not joining in with his Now let's applaud the IRA, the gentlemen bombers. As a gigging band, releasing several other bands' music on our own label, Day Release Records, throughout the 90s, occasional bad reviews were par for the course. Even when the NME was all that remained of a once vibrant British music press, we still read it each week and took any dissing on the chin. But like most musicians, artists or writers, it was the factual inaccuracies and lazy reporting that annoyed us most, like when The Wire miscounted the number of members in the band. Yet press reviews always had a named author, and they'd occasionally get their own answer songs, such as these lines in Radiohead's epic Paranoid Android. When I am king, you will be first against the wall. 
And your opinions, which are of no consequence at all. In my experience, if I want to get something out there, I usually have to do it myself. Whether that's co-founding a record label, creating a Tai Chi school, crafting the natural art materials course I wish I'd had as a young artist, or finding a place for my odd magpie-like mind to stash its cache of long-form writing, this substack. I salute all the makers and doers out there, ethical clothing labels, small press imprints, poetry chatbook makers, alternative club night producers, home prayer group and meditation hosts. Long may you do your own thing and draw excellent people to you with your good energy. Anonymity is sometimes essential for balancing power differentials or altering how much skin is in the game. For instance, with whistleblowers, certain witnesses in court, especially children, or to allow voting free from coercion, religious conversion and more. In most other, more everyday situations, anonymous actors protect their own skin at great cost to others, palming off the risk they should shoulder and becoming part of the acid which corrodes trust in societies. Trust is the one thing we need, even more than good information. Trust is the aqueduct without which untainted information cannot cleanly flow. Bad Taoist The classics clearly state, do not contend, do not enter the competition, and the great Tao has both reality and expression, but it does nothing and has no form. And in about a thousand other maxims and stories, my beloved path recommends non-doing. So I am certainly a bad Taoist, and probably always will be. As in my bones, I long to make things, sing things, write things, teach things. And that's not going to go away anytime soon, as it's in my nature. But then I think about my sister, an amazing woman, probably the most compassionate person I have ever met. She is a Christian, but doggedly refuses to proselytize, spread the good news, or insist on saving anyone else's soul. So perhaps she is a comparably bad Christian, We go our own way, the maker of things on the path of the uncarved block and the consummate non-interferer in a faith known for its evangelism. We'll pour ourselves a glass of wine when we go camping next week and have a good laugh about it, that's for sure. In Britain, indeed, on the internet right now, apparently there's nothing more infuriating than a middle-aged woman insisting she will speak her mind and that all others should have this opportunity without fear of reprisal. This freedom requires a patchwork of sometimes interleaving, sometimes somewhat protected, environments. I will write more about this next week, and about how we encourage and nurture a diverse abundance of different spaces, like ecosystems. How when you stand in the right place, in the right way, you can stand your ground using softness. Spoiler, it's not easy. As I wrote two weeks ago, boundaries allow us to see when a tide changes. I feel happy to have had seven months here and about four years on Insta before having to do anything much about it. The classics helpfully exhort us to deal with things when they are small. This I can do. The uniform ecology of the zoo is not exemplary. 
it is a last resort. I am gently but firmly insisting on remaining here in the garden I am tending, in the manner and style of my choosing. This place has become a haven for certain species of thought I value deeply, not just my own. Having been unlawfully evicted in real life and once ushered out of a city at gunpoint, both times for having requested sincerely that someone stops bullying me, I am not entirely confident of the outcome. However, I survived those events and went on to thrive. I learned a great deal, though I'm pretty sure my antagonists learned nothing. The knocks tempered me, and now I can hold an edge. I will lose neither my edge nor my temper.'